0: You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast, brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market, and Vortex Canada, the force
1: of optics.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 55 of the Union 0430 how about that intro? Aha, I like it? I bet you you can't figure out who's doing the voiceover. Well, if you can't, you've obviously haven't been listening to this show enough. So uh, let's do a little contest. Whoever Whoever's the first person to message me and tell me who's doing the voiceover for the uh, new introduction into the Union 0430, I'll send you uh, a little package um, as a thank you. So with that, um, this is, like I said, episode 55. We got a great show for you tonight. We've got uh, Brian from Inukshuk Food, right out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, down on the east coast. You gotta love this east coast theme we keep running with on this show. Um, but as usual, we'll do a quick introduction. Mark is just outside the nation's capital. Dave is up in Concord. Ryan's down in Nova Scotia. Philly is fighting crime and not with us tonight. And as always, I'm just outside Kingston, Ontario. So Brian, thank you. We were supposed to get you on a couple of weeks ago, um, but as you alluded to before we hit record, you guys and Nookshuk has been crazy busy lately. So
3: we have been, we have been all out. Actually, uh, I don't know when you guys release your shows, but as of this day's recording, we just had our best week in company history um, with, the, with the brand. And so, we had a little bit, a little bit of bubbly at work before quitting hour, which is always a good motivation to come back and work hard the next day. Uh, so yeah, no, things are, things are going really well. I apologize. I didn't get on earlier, but I really, uh, welcome the opportunity to sit down and, and talk kibble to you guys, which is what I do all day, every day. And I haven't seemed to grow tired of it yet. So there must be something
2: to it. That's, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and someday we're really going to hammer down on just how, uh, great of a, uh, week you guys, you guys have had, cause I've had some pretty good weeks, um, but never has, um, work brought in bubbly to celebrate. So it must've been a a really, really good week. So um, Um, when you're family owned and the owner is the happiest guy there, he's the guy buying the
3: bubbly. So that's, that's the key. I think sometimes, you know, (laughs) corporate will give you a muffin basket. The dude who owns (laughs) the joint is going to bring some booze.
2: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Now it's awesome. And you know what? Um, I got to thank Ryan here because Ryan was really the one that, that put this together and, and, you know, uh, between you and him talking and, and getting on and, and i i have to admit that while i was familiar with the brand i didn't know a whole lot about a shook until i started actually reading up about it i didn't realize that you guys were in Fredericton, new brunswick which is old stomping grounds for american eye um yeah. so uh so yeah so super super cool that it's that it's a family-owned business and it's right out of uh, Fredericton, new brunswick
3: Yeah, we've been uh, same facility for 39 years now, coming on 39 years. Uh, Lee Corey, our owner, he started making industrial fish feed. He was a microbiologist and got out of school, got a loan, a small business loan, big business loan is what it turned into. Um, And he's been making high energy, high density nutrition uh, fish and pet food now for, yeah, almost four decades, right in little Fredericton and right off the highway there where you see us as you come in and out of town. And our, uh, when we cook the Corey waft, because our company is Corey nutrition company, the rest of the industrial park says, Oh, Corey must be cooking today. And they all turn their nose up at it. But we're like, that's the smell of money right there. Folks. Yes. That's the the smell stuff. of money. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we're at right now have been, and we'll continue to be. So we like it here in Fredericton.
2: So, so then the Corey company of nutri it's not just dog food. It, it is a, a wide range of, of products. That's that's being pumped out
3: yeah it's not a huge huge range there's about 55 skus total in the company in the whole umbrella company mm-hmm. most of it now is uh is pet food so where it used to start with commercial fish feed there's a big fishing industry out on the east coast obviously yeah uh, so lee got his got his beak wet making industrial commercial fish food um and it's actually a funny story through what is required for fish food small pellets you need to get a good ROI, a good yield on what you feed to have what, how big that fish grows, because that's ultimately going to be money in the bank for somebody else. So Lee figured out a really a good way to, to pack a lot of a punch in these tiny, small pellets. And we've grown to now um, dog and cat food as well. But we're actually, we kind of went big and now we're trying to zoom back in again and, and focus really on, on dog and pet food more than some of our other successes that have kind of got us to this point just because the fish industry kind of turned upside down and the pet industry has exploded in the last few decades. So we've uh, we've been pivoting and kind of like reforming as we go. Yeah. And we're, our focus is on pet. Now the Anookship line is just three products right now and it's our flagship product, but overall we make about 55 different um, formulations. Wow. We do private label label for people and custom uh, pet, pet foods as well. So, you know, we, we, we make a lot, but we're trying to stay focused and just focus on what we're really good at. And, uh, and nookshuk is probably the biggest example of what we're good at, which is high energy, uh, highly absorbed, uh, high, highly dense nutrition and really absorbent dog food. So dogs get their energy fast.
2: That's awesome. And, and Ryan, I guess I'll lean on you for this one because I remember you telling me that that you've, with scout and and we brought it up a couple times on the show how you know scout was was lanky you know she she was very high on her legs very lean and and you've said that you went through a couple different foods and now you're on a food um with a oak and and she really seems to start be filling out here now eh
1: yeah I have um and I did it I mean it takes a little while to see that transition but I have seen it um, and fat is so, and Brian, I'm sure you can touch on it, but fat is so essential to a hunting dog, you know, not just when it's cold, but it also, you know, it also keeps them cool. It's an insulation for, for the body just to, for their internal temperature to regulate. So it's so essential. And, you know, my wife was like, well, you know, she looks good. She looks fine. Like, well, I, I just, I have seen too many ribs for my liking. And, mm-hmm. uh, so since I, and since I haven't introduced her, like she has put weight on. And I have been able to see the difference in the energy, like, um, and it is quick. Like, you know, if I feed her, if I feed her, you know, her dinner in the evening, we go training later on that evening. Like, she's got lots of gas in the tank, so it's. How have uh, been
3: feeding now for Ryan? Out of curiosity. Uh it's been about a month now. So it's okay. or just
1: yeah. yeah, about under a month. She's still still on her first bag, which actually I'm gonna probably place an order for her next bag now. Um,
2: so I did. I did. I
1: did yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I did mix uh, I did mix some of the what I had maybe maybe a third of a bin of the old stuff so I mixed it with the old stuff but but it's uh, yeah it's it's so far so good she's going she for okay. her... oh yeah no problem no digestive yeah. issues. like the transition was extremely easy on her um, so we're gonna run her in here in Nova Scotia. we got a retriever trials uh, Saturday she's gonna go for a junior hunt test so I'm looking forward to it she's gonna be shes gonna be fueled up ready to go
3: awesome love to hear it how's her poop been good uh good.
1: solid yeah solid consistent clean like you know stinky just it's the way his dog should be i guess so no has she just... been
3: unloading nasty fish farts on you sometimes when when people switch over because we got so much herring and herring oil in our food that some people email me they're like my dog's supposed to be farting like this and i say probably <laughs> right, you know what okay. i
1: I I work during the day for probably (laughs) 10 hours, but my wife is a homeschooling, stay at home mother with the Labrador and our son.
3: So I'm sure for me, (laughs) yeah,
1: I will, I'll relay that
4: info back. you, you, You touched on something there about when you transition a dog from one food to another and our first dog, we just finished the one bag of the old stuff and put her on the new stuff. We didn't know, but um can you maybe explain how you a good way to transition a dog would be?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We're so dogs are individuals and we don't like to give blanket answers for a lot of things because what will work for one person's scenario might not work for another person's scenario. So we kind of preface a lot of our conversations with that because people often look to dog food to solve problems or be the cause of a lot of problems, but there's a lot of other things going around, right? But as far as transitioning a dog goes, it depends. If your dog um you know a lot of labradors and retrievers like people will find out about our product and be interested and want to switch it, not necessarily solving a problem, you know, so they're, they're not trying to fix something. So, you know, a dog like that whose stomach is going fine and there's no digestive issues and they're just curious. We say you can go cold Turkey, you know, a lot of dogs because our food is so highly digestible. There's no fillers. There's nothing in there that shouldn't be in there. Uh, there's no like suspect characters as far as the formulation goes. Although some people might disagree with me there and we can talk about some controversial items, controversial down the road in the conversation. But I guess what I'm trying to say is some dogs won't take a transition at all. You can go cold Turkey, a dog whose stool fluctuates or they're picky eaters. Um, you know, sometimes blending something that they're used to a quarter at a time, you know, I'll say, you know, take your calories. A lot of people, they get mixed up with like, what amount do I take away and what amount do I add from one food and the other? Right. So you got to know how many calories you feed your dog that day. And then I usually say add 30% of a nook at a time over a few days period. Um, if you're nervous and then do every two days, add 30% more. So after a week, maybe they're going to have their first full meal of a new formula for some people who aren't worried, but they feel they should, and just do their due diligence. I'll say just, you know, do half and half for two days Some people, and they're like, my dog will eat anything. I just want to try your food. I'll say, go right to it. So if you're unsure, go slow, add a quarter or 30%, you know, only change it every two days or so um, and see how things go, monitor the poop, monitor how much they're excited for their food and what their energy levels are like, and then just go from there. But the the math and where people get lost in it all is because they're trying to do cups of this and cups of that and just find out how many calories you're feeding them find out how many calories it'll take from this food and that food together. So you're giving them the same caloric amount. So you're not bloating them or underfeeding them. You're just blending what they're getting, but they're getting the same amount is the big, like the important thing there. Cause you don't want to shock the system or deprive them or anything like that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We've had it both ways. Like we had a boxer before and our boxer, if we, if she ate the wrong thing, there'd be shit from one end of the house to the other. And now we've got a German wire pointer and that thing, like it's eaten everything you It'll take socks and by the time <laughs> you find it's got a sock, the thing's already swallowed and gone. And then you got to wait a week until it's in the freaking, and then you'll find it outside
3: until it turns it into a sock. Wash, a
4: yeah. It's like take bowl. it
0: off and wash it.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just I, reuse
3: yeah. them. <laughs> yeah.
2: Brian. So for many. And, and, and it happened to me when, when we finally got, uh, you know, our work and dog and, and a lab. So the Two questions here really so one i'm i'm looking for your professional opinion on this because it's something that i've been wondering so the first question is um so my my dog is is she is small she's small for her age um Mm -hmm. what kind of dog you got so black lab um and she's you know over two years old right now she's about 40 pounds Okay, so, she, so she's, she's smaller yeah so she's small so my question did i because she wasn't the runt of the litter all of her brothers and sisters are all normal sized labs did i do something wrong when when i brought her home and start feeding like is it possible that i didn't feed her enough to like that
3: your food stunted her growth yeah probably not No, Um, because you're the type of you're the type of owner who's not going to let your dog go hungry, hungry, you're gonna be paying attention to the signs. So you know, did you give them the optimal best nutrition dialed in for exactly that dog and that weight? Probably not. No one really does because no one really knows what they're dealing with, or it's our first dog or second dog or it's a new formula. Yeah you know, perfection is something we strive to and it never really accomplished this life. Right. So no, you probably didn't affect that dog because you would have been given it uh, enough attention and enough, um, you know, care that it would have got its basic needs. Okay. Uh, nothing came up in your vet checks about, you know, Oh, it's bones and its joints aren't doing too good. Cause it's getting too much calcium or not enough. No issues came up through just the regular course of raising that dog yeah. that you probably don't have anything to worry about. The, okay. They really are individuals. So all shapes and sizes and things like that. Right. Um, there's ways to tell if your dog's underweight, obviously, you know, we were talking about seeing some ribs, you know, closer yeah. back to where the ha- back haunches are. We don't want to feel all those ribs all the time necessarily, or you want to be able to feel a few, but not see them all rather necessarily. If you're paying attention to what the shape of that breed should be, and it's just smaller compact, as long as she's not too wide or too bony, yeah. you know, she probably just grew to the size that she was always going to be. So I yeah. would not worry too much about that.
2: Okay, Yeah. Cause yeah. she's like, she's not a, like she's not a skinny mini, like she, she's, you know, filled out for, for what her frame is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. she's healthy, everything, you know, all that good stuff. So I just always wonder because she is such a small dog and all of her brothers and sisters are, are, you know, twice totally. the size of her.
3: Yeah. I'm on the other episode, uh, other side of the spectrum. I've got a dog who's an 80 pound, uh, German short hair pointer mixed with a little bit of greyhound. He's a racing dog. Uh, mm-hmm. they call him Greysters. He's 80 pounds, you know, most German, most GSPs are not 80 pounds. He's big. And it's not because he got really good superfood when he was bred or anything like that. He's just a big dude and happened to come out that way. Litters, you know, can, can do that. So you're probably just on one end of the spectrum, which is a little bit lower, which makes you think of things, you know, what could that be kind of thing, but if she's happy and healthy and you know what a good looking dog should look like in that frame and body weight, then
2: you're good. Okay. Awesome. And then my other, my other question is. You know, so if you if you go out and regardless of and I don't know if Shuk does this um, so you can tell us, but usually on most um, dog foods on the back of the bag, it, it it has that little graph to say, listen, at this age, you should be feeding or this much weight, you should be feeding this much food per day. Right now, um, again, I have a lab and notorious eaters and and they live by their stomachs. So they're always hungry, but I've always fed her a little bit more than what it said on the back of the bag. And, and that's just because she, she is, she is very, very high energy and she is, she's a very high energy dog. Um, So I gave her more calories just because of the amount of training that we had done and stuff like that. And I guess you sort of kind of answered the question when you said that they are really individuals, right? Like it can't be a blanket statement, right? So I, I love, I would love for it to be my yeah. job. I would take 20%, you know,
3: 80% <laughs> less time to do my job for that simple for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, no, the, the trick is, is knowing what an overweight dog looks like, mm-hmm. what an underweight dog looks like, and knowing what kind of energy they're expelling, right? You are not in, you are not unique in the fact that you want to make sure she gets enough food. And you said something that's key. She's hungry. She wants to keep eating. You know, there's dogs that want to keep eating labs that aren't necessarily hungry. Right. So you've got to, you've got to recognize that there's differences there and then just know when to spot when they're getting a little bit chunky, when you can't see that definition going towards those back haunches anymore, or she's a little sluggish on the uptake or something like that. These are signs that, Oh, maybe I should dial it back a bit. Right. Okay. However, if you know that she's being extra active and those signs aren't there and you're feeding her a little bit more, you're responding to her individual needs and you're going off the feeding guidelines and going just out or down a little bit. That's good. That's healthy. That's what we encourage people to do. We don't ever want someone to be beholden to a number when it turns out they got this crazy hyper dog with this crazy right. metabolism that they didn't know about Belgium Malinois or something like that. And they're super active and they're not feeding them enough. Right. So, you know, you got a, those a guideline and then take your scenario mix those two things together and you've got, you know, what will hopefully be an ideal situation for your dog. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Now I haven't read the ingredient lists on your food for dogs, like your Nookshuk brand or whatever, but Mm -hmm. uh, my brother kind of introduced it to me when I was uh, probably about 15 years ago uh, that he started looking more seriously into the nutrition he was feeding his dogs And, and the do's and don'ts that were unknown up to that point or that weren't well known. Um, if, if, if you were to say like, what, what are the, the things to ensure your dog food has for proper nutrition? What are the ingredients that you're looking for? Like when someone yeah, looks yeah. at the bag, what, 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 what are they looking that should be in there and what shouldn't be in there?
3: So there's, um, that's a really good question and it's got a few different answers depending on what we're talking about. So if we talk about overall, um, you want your protein sources to be up first in the front of the bag and you want those protein sources to be a meat product. So sometimes, um, the dog food industry, unfortunately has a lot of misinformation. It doesn't have decades and decades of really good uh, research. It's, it's developing research still. So there's still a lot of unknowns, which adds to the misinformation. Right? So when you look at the, like our recipes, the first ingredients you're going to see is chicken meal, herring meal, Herring oil. I think those are three of the first four ingredients. Those are our protein sources. So let's talk about meal versus meat protein, because that's sometimes something that makes people think. Some people hear chicken meal or they'll hear any meal and they'll think, "Ooh, that's bad. And what that means is that meal has been basically cooked already, processed, so the moisture from that meat is gone. So you've got this more dense delivery of all your, all your proteins and amino acids and a whole bunch of stuff that meat delivers. Right? So a meal is a concentrated version of that. Sometimes because companies know that meal sounds bad to a lot of consumers, what they'll do is they'll put raw meat as their first ingredient, but that's with all the moisture. So there could be a brand that's saying we've got 25% um, protein because it's got 25% of that meat in there, but when they cook it and they lose all that moisture, you're actually left with a lot less protein. So in some formulas, you'll see the second ingredient, maybe it'll be corn or soy or something like that. And this is, this is a red flag. If you've got a, um, a carbohydrate, like we consider grains, carbohydrates, corn's a carbohydrate, rice is a carbohydrate. If you see those as like, you know, the first, second or third ingredient, that's probably not a good sign because that is not a great protein source. So they're taking this protein, this meat, they're saying there's this much of it. They cook it down. There's actually that much. So they got to get all that protein in there. They got to boost it up with corn or something like that, or another product that's not as healthy. So your protein sources really matter. So we use um, herring, we use whitefish, we use salmon, and we use chicken. Now, some people think chicken is a bad protein source, and maybe we can move to that in a little bit. That depends. People think that their dogs are allergic to chicken, and one out of 100 times, they're right. But they've all been told, all hundred of those people have been told the same thing. Your dog might have a sensitivity to chicken because a lot of other things will cause the same reaction that chicken sensitivity might. But anyways, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. Protein source is really big and important. So herring oil and herring meal and chicken meal is what we see first up at the front of the bag. Those are good signs. And then your carbohydrates and your vitamin mixes are what you want to see next. You know, there's going to be some stuff towards the end of most formulations that you don't recognize, you know, stabilizers and things that like Peloton, that is just really like, you know, a meat product that adds a smell that dogs love, but all the first 75% of ingredients you should recognize it should be rice and grains and your meat sources, your carbs, your sugars, and your proteins. Um, Yeah. So, To go back to it, what are good proteins and what are good carbs or what are good fats? Meat sources are good proteins and there's a lot of different good um, fats out there. We use corn as a carbohydrate, as one of our sources of fat because dogs can digest it really good. It's got a a great glycemic index, which is like the factor that they rate how easily a dog can absorb the actual sugars and not just get fat and bloated the way we do. They can actually convert it into energy. Corn's really good. Corn as a protein source though, up in front of the bag, not a great protein source. You're going to have too much of it. It's going to be too fatty. That dog's going to be sluggish and it's not going to be part of a performance diet. It might be part of a regular diet or what we would consider a lower quality diet. And there's going to be a price reflection there too. Corn is really cheap. Chicken, fish, beef, lamb, lobster, all those things are more expensive too, right? So yeah. Protein source is really good to know what it's dealing with. Meal doesn't mean bad meal just means pre-cooked and you're probably getting a more accurate read of what that protein source is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That that's one where I can talk in circles with that one, because <laughs> there's so many just variations and things to consider when you're looking at that ingredient deck. Did you say lobster? Yeah, <laughs> I, <didn't hear> <laughs> I picked up yeah. on that too. Yeah. 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 Whoa, We're, we're <laughs> right by the Bay of Fundy, man. We get our, <laughs> we get our dog food out of the ocean. Uh, yeah. We do have in one of our other companies, dollars a
0: bag. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap.
3: And so this is something we could talk about. We have a grain free product called North Paw. Uh, it's it's great dog food without grains. It Should dogs be fed a grain free product? Probably not. But you know, the market has asked for it. So the market responds to it because people want to do to their dogs what they do to themselves. So as we eliminate carbs and we eliminate fats and we eliminate sugars from our human diets, we want to do that same kind of care for our dogs, right? So there's been this whole grain-free thing that's come up. There's no research on it, you know? Like we know that our dog food is safe and it's fine, but like would a dog that needs to hunt in the woods all day do well on a grain-free diet? No. Would a police dog or a performance dog do well on a grain-free diet? No. You know, so there's all this kind of misinformation that we're trying to tease out, but at the same time we sell dog food. So we got to play the game. So like, all yeah. right, if they're going to be buying grain-free products anyways, let's make the best one we can make and off we go, but let's not be afraid to have the conversation that, you know, might include you being wrong about what you're feeding your dog or what you think is safe to feed your dog or not feed your dog.
0: And in, in, in saying that those dogs are going to be the first
3: ones to run out and fill their gut with grass. <laughs> right. Cause they're, they're, they're wanting something that they're not getting. And like, the, the nice thing about dog and nutrition is the same thing that's a bad thing. It's nice when something's going wrong with the diet because there will be a sign. There will be an itch. There will be a grass eating. There will be a behavior that rises up. So it's good that we know something is off. It's bad on the dog food end because everybody blames the food first. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's easy to. I don't blame them. I've been through this process. I've worked for Anukshuk for over a year. I've been feeding my dog Anukshuk for three. I had to go through the process of finding that food for him. And it was a painful one, you know, because everyone's toting the same things and packaging is so good. And the numbers, what do they mean? So it really is a world that you can get lost into. So we try to be really upfront with, with a nutshell. We keep it simple with three formulas. It's a lot of protein and it's good protein. It's a lot of fat and it's good accessible fat that these dogs are going to burn through. And it's going to, the big thing is it gets into the system quickly and then it gets converted Highly digestible. So, like, 87% is our like digestibility rate. So, when we um, say 87% digestible, that means dog ate 100% of something, absorbed 87%, and it shat out 13% of something. When you start talking about people who have 20 and 30 dogs, and you can start talking about pounds of shit you're eliminating from their life, they release, they start to listen and go, okay, what's, <laughs> what's doing that? <laughs> how can I, how can I please benefit from that? <laughs> so that's so- the hunting and kennels. That's been a big, big conversation for us.
2: So one thing that you've touched on, you've said it a couple of times now and, and sort of plays into what Dave said with the lobster, but you, you've talked about fish and fish oil and, and growing up in Newfoundland and uh, as much as I don't like to say it, Mark, you probably did too growing up, but having to take uh, cod liver oil and and oil and stuff like that, like that was something that was, that was yeah. forced on you because it was, yeah. you know, it, it, you know, they were. Ahead of their time, I think, when 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 they were feeding us uh, this this fish oil and stuff, but it, it promotes those omega three fatty acids, right? So okay. and uh, and from everything that I've that I know, it 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 contributes immensely to the development of the brain, right? So is is that sort of the the idea behind? the, the fish oil in your dog food? Is it, is it the brain development and those, those big fatty acids?
3: Yeah. So a brain development would be one of about four things that these omega three sixes and nines deliver. So your polyunsaturated fats, herring, seafood, it's full of this, right? So yeah, Yeah. you're right. Newfoundland was ahead of the curve. Cod liver oil now is just wrapped up in a fancy way. They're omega threes, you know? Yeah. So people are taking their omega three capsules. You're taking fish oil yeah. And that's why I was asking about Ryan's dog and their farts because my parents used to take fish oil and I started trying it. and I would burp up salmon all day. Get it The mm-hmm. first week I took it, I was like, this is terrible. Why would anybody do this? Dogs usually convert it the other way and they, 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 they fart it out and it's quite something, but it's, it's good. So yeah, the fish oil, um, the herring, the Atlantic herring that we pull out of the Bay of Fundy is a really like something we're quite proud of. Not a lot of other companies will have that in their food and it's so fresh for us because we're so close to it. Yeah. Omegas three, sixes, and nines. So uh, just like in humans, it's it's supposed to encourage a healthy brain. So a brain has synapses. It has a whole bunch of, of highways that you want clear and undigested, just like your heart. And there's a way to take care of that. And omega-3s, sixes, and nines are, help, are supposed to help that. But they do a couple other really cool things. We were talking earlier about internal temperature and how dogs can perform way better when they're cooler. Yep. If a dog that has to use its nose is panting, it can't smell it has to pant if it's too hot, right? Yeah. Um, Using proteins with lots of omega acids, those proteins are going to be easier to digest. So the body won't have to work as hard and then heat up as much to actually process that food and convert it into energy. So Mm -hmm. it's going to stay cooler. So it's going to help the dog pant more. But what we're finding out now, even on top of that, is that these fatty acids actually have Uh, things that they can carry across this barrier. There's a barrier like a membrane behind the dog's nose where it brings in scents and those scents are converted to the brain as information. And that barrier, the more porous it is, the more holes it has in it, the more of that information it's able to take in through the olfactory system and convert it into information. Well, it turns out that a fat, a, a, a high fat diet adds and encourages those pores to develop and maintain on that little membrane behind the back of the dog's nose. We don't really know how it's doing it. Uh, We're really glad that it is doing it and we're tracking it and we're seeing results come now. We don't fully understand the the entire thing that's going on, which is kind of why it's an exciting time to be in dog food right now, because a lot of our biggest discoveries and a lot of our refinements are still ahead of us. We still have a lot to learn. Um, So that's been a big thing is that olfactory performance is enhanced, not just because of body temperature, but because of that membrane being um, healthier and then also coat and skin health. So that oil, th- those fats are so good for the coat. Um, they're so good for the dry skin. Dry skin means they can breathe more. It means they can remain comfortable and focus on their task at hand more. And then a dog who feels amazing to pet's going to get lots of pets and a dog that gets lots of pets is a happier dog. So, you know, everybody wins in that regard. But these omega 3, 6s and 9s, these polyunsaturated fatty acids, they are gold. They are really good for you. They're worth the farts, Ryan. If they come and you do get get them, they'll go away. But they are worth it just because of they're, everything else that they're doing. Yeah, they're a small price to pay for sure. <laughs> so I wouldn't say they're a small price, but a worthy price. <laughs> so well, I don't,
1: I don't have, I don't have to intake them because I'm at work. So yeah.
2: Once again, thank God for the day shift. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> so let's talk about. So if you if if a customer goes on your website now and they want to start doing some research on a nookshuk dog food, that there's three formulas that you guys are, are pumping on your website, right? Like and it's broken down. So could and Ryan, you told me what formula you were on, but I can't remember what it is now. But could you sort of explain what that breakdown of that formula is? Ryan, you're on the 3025, I imagine. Brown, I know
3: uh,
1: among the puppy, the 20, 26, 26 uh, 16.
3: Yeah, 16. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Damien. So uh, that's absolutely right. We've got three formulas, and all their names are their protein and fat levels. So 2616, which Ryan is feeding, that's 26% protein and 16% fat. So this is our puppy maintenance and small dog all breed formula. So In the puppy stage, the thing that makes a Nook really special, we feel, is it's the world's highest energy dog food, right? In the puppy stage, there's not as much of that going on because puppies don't need all that fat. They don't need all that protein. They need to grow into their systems, uh, get really good vitamins and a a balanced nutrition, um, but they don't need all the extra energy and the boost that's going to come down a, a hunting dog's life. So 2616 is still on the high side for protein and fat but it's a very approachable formula. If you have a big dog that wants to lose weight, this is our maintenance formula. So some dogs who are like, if you give me a big chunky retriever, who's been getting way too many liver treats and not enough walks and they need to lose 10 pounds, we'll put them on the 26, 16 formula. We know a dog um, that needs that. We know a few <laughs> dogs that need that. They're well loved those dogs. <laughs> well loved and well fed, right? Um, so yeah, most puppies we recommend, they stay on that for till about a year and then pointers, beagles, um hunting dogs, working dogs, usually they're going to transition to our 3025 formula after a year. So what happens when you get more protein, you're going to get more calcium. So there's a couple things to be aware about calcium levels with developing dogs and with large breed dogs that might be prone to hip issues and stuff. So a large breed dog, they're growing really fast, right? Um if you give them too much calcium in their protein, their, their bones are going to grow and they're going to maybe grow out of their joints prematurely causing hip dysplasia and a whole bunch of issues. So large breed dogs, we like to keep uh, on our 2616 until that year, even though they can eat three cups of it, which would be a lot for a nook feeding. Most dogs eat between a cup and a half, two cups of food a day. Like I said, even my big 80 pound dog. Our 3025 formula is, is what's most popular in the hunting world because it uh, for smaller dogs and live dogs that are between 40 and 70 pounds um, that are really, really active, it gives them all the energy they need, um, plenty of protein for recovery. So if you're going on lots of hunts, you guys have probably seen dogs actually lose weight and muscle over the course of a three or four day hunt or a mm-hmm. training clinic. It happens. There's such small frames and they're burning so many calories that you can see these these bodies, these systems inflate and deflate pretty quickly. So 3025 is a really good, stable um, hunting formula, active dog, border collies, um, you know, dogs with people who are software engineers can afford a mountain bike four hours a day. I have friends like that. I don't know how they do it, but, you know, (laughs) their dogs are always with them. It's a great formula for them. And it's an all life stage dog, so a lot of um, a lot of dogs like Mal's um, high, really high strung dogs who are hard keepers can't keep weight on. They might get onto our 3025 after about seven or eight months, once they they're really kind of grown into their shape and they're they're getting pretty grown up. They're not going to have big bone issues necessarily. So some dogs can can start from it actually, or transition into it pretty early. That's where most of our hunting crowd lives, and then we have our 32-32. So that's 32% protein, 32% fat. There is no other company that we're aware of right now that measures the way we measure that can get the same claim on their protein and energy levels. We have a really cool system where we suck the fat into the food and we replace all the oxygen in the kibble. And that's how we can lock 32% fat in there. That's your, um, you know, really high energy dogs that in the hunting season can't keep weight on. They'll transition to 32, 32 for, you know, the high octane part of the year then they'll go back down to 30, 25 for the rest of the year sled dogs in the winter you know, winter time, it's go time. They're hard. They're colder. They're going to go 32, 32 training season. When they're pulling the ATV, they'll go to 30, 25 um, police dogs who are smelling all day, or they're just strung up in the back of a truck and they're on edge all day. And they're there're vibrating off weight and energy. They do good on 32, 32, but that stuff is really like it's rocket fuel. It is, it is something else. Um, and that's our, that's our whole line. So, you know, they're all kind of all life stages. It's all energy based. Um, all the ingredient decks are very similar, so you can transition dogs easily on them. Uh, so if you have to go to 32, 32 to 30, 25, your dog's ass isn't going to regret it. They'll be able to just pop up from one to another, adjust your feeding amount because of the density of the nutrition and off you go. That's, that's one thing that
1: really kind of attracted to me is, is the fact that you have this completely customizable, um, line like you can you know your dog might not need especially in the waterfowl hunting world like you know that late season you know november where it's tail end of the season it's very cold the dogs hard. you want that high you know that 32 32 might be the dog food for you but for me like and when i went to the website it, it's all broken down really easily it's very well articulated like you know so i went to the maintenance formula my dog's only 10 months so, but I am gonna try I thought I am transitioning her from one type of brand to a neck to this one. And so I figured, well, let's go with this. I saw, you know, I saw good signs early on. She transitioned nicely, like we talked about previously. So now because she's pretty well she is essentially essentially in an adult frame now. I am gonna transition now next one yeah. to the uh, the 30 uh, 30, 30, 20, 25. 30, 25. 30 25. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, so that, I mean, I don't know too many other uh, brands that offer that, that that transition custom customizability, I guess so.
3: Well, or they'll transition it. It'll be such a a golf where you'll go from feeding two cups to like four cups and then to get the calories that you need. And the dog just blows it out the back. We find a lot like the transitions from brand to brand could be so great. Just a pen. There's such a variety of densities out there that like, you know, some people will go, I go through a 33 bag, 33 pound bag every five weeks. I know some people on our competitors for the same amount of calories are going through like a 33 pound or a 40 pound bag, you know, every two, two and a half weeks. So that, that's the other big thing. Like the, the formulas are easy to work with, but because of how dialed in, we, it's, it's like you said, we, we, we want to dial it in. We want it to be customizable. So we're going to give you a range that you can feed, that you can work up in between on the feeding guidelines themselves because this is a performance machine that you're working with when you're working with it on the levels that you guys are doing, when you need the specific goals and the attention out of them, you know, you put good gas and oil in your trucks or you buy a Honda and never worry about it and just keep gassing it. little, <laughs> my little Honda fit will just not die, you know, but like the tools that we use, you we need to take care of. And the more you understand and know about them, the better you're going to be able to fine tune those tools. And I don't mean to sound crass when I talk about a, a dog as a tool, we'll call him a coworker. You need your coworker to have the right tools as well. Right. So yeah, that, that customizability without having it to be confusing, you know, three brands, three lines, three products, and you can get everything you need right there. We are expanding a little bit. We're thinking of offering a fourth protein option or a fourth formula option with a different protein, because again, a lot of people think their dogs can't have chicken. And we're learning that we can spend five times the amount of energy and effort convincing people their dogs aren't allergic to chicken. Trust us, try this. Or we can just offer them a chicken-free formula that performs just as well as our other formulas. So I think we're going to do that instead of trying to swim against the current. We're going to introduce a fourth product. At Inukshuk, like our biggest thing is we're not big, we're small. And our, our size is our strength. We're nimble. We can interact with the customers more. We can listen to the demands. And this is honestly something that I'm faced with every day. People want a chicken-free formula. So we're saying, all right, let's give it to them. If we sell 100 bags and only 99 of those people actually needed the chicken formula, who cares? We still sold 100 great bags of dog food to people. Their hearts are at ease. Their dogs will do great on it. So, let's go. So that's that's the next step for our pro, for our offering, in the formulation. I probably shouldn't have said this because my boss would have said, "Wait until things are more final." But we're all feeling pretty good about it. So I'm just going to go ahead and keep it said. We'll
1: blame the bubbler.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's just whatever's in this uh, mug. Sorry guys.
0: (laughs) You can ask Damien to edit it out, but that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
3: uh, I know how much work editing is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. (laughs) When, when we
4: got our dog, someone told me that I had to make sure that I got a formula without chicken in it just because then my dog would get the taste of chicken and it would want to eat chickens all the time. And I was like, That's just the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. If there's a bird with feathers on it, my dog's (laughs) going to fucking eat it anyway. (laughs) Do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) Yeah. Did
0: your dog happen to partake in some live chickens?
4: Well, I think if you look back on uh, our episode, (laughs) they shot Daffy. I explained how the neighbor's chicken got into my backyard and my dog presented the chicken to me and I petted it and said, good girl, when the neighbor wasn't too pleased about it. So. Yes. The dog was doing its job, man. Dog did its job and I have to yeah. praise it for that. That's, I don't know.
3: That's funny. I've actually never heard. I've never heard. I've heard your dog may be sensitive to chicken. I never heard your dog is going to become chicken crazed as yeah. a deterrent, but that's why I love talking to people. Cause you're going to hear something new every day. If you talk to somebody new. <laughs> yeah. And I,
4: I looked at the guy, I'm like, how is my dog going to look at this brown kibble and associate it with that feathered animal and so yeah, I didn't take too much advice from the guy.
3: Well, it's good. Your radar, I'd say, is is <laughs> not in need of repair. <laughs>
4: yeah. Awesome. Oh. Is Damien not uh, can't hear him? He has been
1: quiet. Oh
2: <laughs> here we there go. He is. Yeah, no, yeah. I I muted my uh, mic. Brian, um I am gonna put you on the spot here because I, I want so you're you're talking about all these great things with a nookshook. Um all the you know, the research and, and how, the, you know, you're thinking when it comes to that, what is the price point on, on the dog food? Because ultimately, um, we deal with a group of people that, listen, I'm not going to take away from anybody that they love their animals. And, and they do, they love their dogs that, you know, they're their best friends. Um, but ultimately, the price point will determine a lot of people on, on what they buy, right? So explain to us the price point, like in comparables, um, how, is, how does Anukshuk yeah. compare with everybody else? So the beautiful thing about a Anukshuk, it, it compares well.
3: We think we've got really good competitive pricing. The nice thing is we sell direct. So a Anukshuk, another reason besides the formulation and why it benefits the dog, another reason it's special is how we do business. So anyone who buys a Anukshuk is buying it directly from us. Okay. We're not in big, we're not in big box pet stores, we're not in global, we're not in Pet Cetera or Pet Smart or anything like that with this okay. brand because our original customers were people like yourselves who were in the canine profession somehow or had a team of dogs to take care of. They weren't looking for a bag at a time, they were looking for a pallet at a time, yeah. 50, 60 bags at a time. Um, and they were feeding other brands that you know were being sold from a retailer, then to them. So there's two markups to deal with. And we thought we can make a better product and we can probably sell it for less. So if you're buying one bag off of our website, which is the most expensive place you'll find it, is one bag at a time um, because shipping is free for most of Canada. You're looking at $63 for a bag of the 2616, $65 for a bag of the 3025, and 85 bucks for a bag of the 3232, because it actually weighs 10 pounds more. It's the same size bag, but because there's so much more fat locked into the kibble, it weighs oh, 10 wow. pounds more. Yeah, it's nuts, um, but that's the most expensive it's ever gonna be. Most of our customers are actually buying in bulk, so I've got a price list here. Um, the, we have a warehouse in Edmonton, so if you're on the west coast of the country, uh, things are a little bit more expensive because they're shipping out of our Edmonton, Edmonton warehouse. We have to pay to keep things there, so I'll give right. you the Fredericton, like kind of it's basically Manitoba in East prices, but you know people can call us up and get these prices whenever they want. So we'll go with the twenty, the thirty twenty-five formula because that's right in the middle. If you buy a full pallet of it, which is 65 bags, you're looking at $33 a bag. Um, so, you know, $33, that's a pound, a dollar per pound of some of the industry's best leading dog food. So we think that's a really good price. Not everybody wants 65 bags at once. So say you wanted anywhere between 20 and 65 bags, which we would call a half pallet order. You're only paying $39 a bag. And then we have a 20 bag price, which is $45 a bag. And then you're one to nine. If you come in and pick it up and you don't buy it online and you're in the Fredericton area, people walk out of the door with $51 per bag. So it's scaled, right? It goes from 50 all the way down to 33 bucks a bag. So I don't have my calculator on me, but basically 33 times 65. That's your, that's your ton of dog food. And that's how most people buy it. Yeah. Um, The other cool thing, because it's a wholesale product, a lot of people will buy it and then just resell it. So they'll buy a pallet, they've got 20 dogs. So, you know, they'll keep 20 bags for the month. They'll sell 45 bags to people who come to their training facility, people in their community who also have dogs or whatever. They'll either go in on it together and they'll split the order or people will turn around and sell it for like 55, $60 a bag. We always tell people sell it for less than people can buy it online. Cause we don't charge shipping off the website. Right. Let that be the most expensive way to get it. And if you've got it cheaper and you're closer, we want people to go to you to get it kind of thing. So, you know, this wholesale, so this wholesale prep thing, like we've only been selling online for about a year. We've been doing the wholesale thing for about 20 years now. We've got all of Alaska covered with mushers. We're getting into police departments in Mexico, the States, Canada. Um, most of our business is actually in the States. There's just so many more people and so many more dogs that we're shipping food to Texas and California, the Virginia's, you know, all down the Eastern seaboard, especially now with more hunters coming on, this is actually one of our biggest growing demographics. We started with the sled dogs and the mushing community got that locked down. Then the police and military started sniffing around saying, I think we could benefit from this too. Then we went, duh, when we learned about everything olfactory wise with hunting. And that's kind of been our fourth big pillar. The Bulldogs community is actually a new community that's come on just because their dogs have such tiny stomachs. They realize they can get enough nook shook in there. It's not going to all come out as poop and they're actually going to get some food in their dogs. So now we're learning everything we can about Bulldogs to make sure we give them the right formula and figure things out. So wow. the wholesale model, it's good, not only for pricing, but we get to interact with all our clients. Like it allows us to be so approachable because everybody ultimately gets it through us. They get the narrative that we want. They get the, Ability to ask questions like try calling some other big brand on the phone and, and, and yeah. asking for 15 minutes of their time just to know which formula you want right it probably will be pretty hard to do you'll be screaming at your phone before you get an answer at anyone most likely so we are trying to be the antithesis of that so direct wholesale direct what's
0: the uh shelf life on your foods like if someone's going to buy 20 bags for for two dogs for example what's the shelf life yeah. on those
3: so it's 24 months from the date of production, which is stamped on the back of the bag. If it's stored out of direct sunlight, preferably on, like a, on a pallet, you know, so rodents don't get to it. Um, it, can, it can get frozen and then thaw out. Doesn't, that doesn't really matter. There'll be a little bit of moisture that escapes, but we've got a one-way air valve on the bag that'll purge that moisture. So 24 months is how long it will last. Um, and that's how long we'll say feed it within. It'll be fine past that, just like a lot of things, but we don't recommend it but we always recommend feed as fresh as possible. So we try to dial in people's orders. Like if they wanna say they're really hot and horny and they wanna get this order and they think they're gonna sell a bunch and they ask for like two pallets and we're like, how many dogs do you have? How much do you think you're gonna sell? Well, why don't we start with one pallet? And then, you know, you can move through that over six months and then you can just re up and have fresh food and you don't have to worry about, you know, Mm -hmm. anything expiring or it taking too long. So typically the food is gone before it ever gets near that date, but we do have 24 months to play with. I would say most food is is turned over within, I'd say six months is a long time for a bag of dog food, a bag of a nukshuk, just with the nature of the customer and the turnover that it experiences. And then when it's open, this is a question we get too. Some people say, I open your dog bag and the fucking thing's not resealable. And they're not, we know they're not. And they go, how long is this food going to last for? Um, even if you're really crappy at resealing your bag, the food's going to be fresher than it'll take for you to feed it. In most cases. But if you just cut a little bit on the side, something you can roll and close shut with a clip, we recommend you do that over pouring it into a tote because you can't purge the air to the top of the tote, but you can purge enough air just by rolling the bag and then clipping it with a clothespin or something like that. And then, you know, we don't really know how long it lasts when it's open because it doesn't really last once it's open and (laughs) it gets fed and goes pretty quickly, but it should last way longer than it should take you to feed it, even if you forgot your dog for a day or two kind of thing. So we don't get a lot of a nookship going bad. Mice are a problem, a constant problem at the warehouse, but we are, we've got that under lock now and we've just got such a, it's crazy. The system, all the bells and whistles and sounds and things that go on at night to keep the mice mice away. That's a whole other science and problem. I'm glad I have nothing to do with solving. Mice <laughs> at a
1: dog food factory. I never want to solve that one. No, go, go, <laughs> yeah. Figure, <laughs>
3: um yeah. i bring my guy into work and he he's any any mouse in an office at all that's already in the glue trap my dog finds all of them and luckily his nose does not stick to those glue traps as much as i thought they were going to so i gotta watch out when i take my guy to work sorry damien i cut you off
2: no no it's all good um on your so again we we've got a very wide range of of listeners to the to the show um and and just like dave you know um not everybody is is running those typical lab retrievers um everybody's got a, a, a different type of dog you know and on your website you even have that what i uh, small bites like the britney spaniel and and stuff like that you know so yeah you know what what what's going on there with the small bites like what's the idea behind all that so we use the 2616 formula
3: is a smaller kibble Um, we make it smaller just because a lot of puppies eat so fast they don't chew. Mm -hmm. So, um, a smaller kibble will actually get absorbed into their system, um, a lot quicker and more of it will actually get put to use. And also just their mouths aren't that big. They can't handle a whole lot of big food. So our 2616 is a smaller kibble just for that reason. And we know that a lot of small breed dogs, you know, like a French bulldog or a Shih Tzu is going to do fine on this food their whole life. It's still cheaper than the stuff, the grain-free stuff. They're trying to sell you for 75 bucks on the shelf. So we sell it to a lot of people and that smaller kibble does great for those dogs too. Some people wish that we had it a little bit bigger, but most of those people, their dog will graduate off of it after six or seven months, eight months a year anyways. So we do like to keep that small kibble option in the line. Um, And then our kibble compared to a lot of other brands are a smaller bite. And there's a couple things going on there. Um, one is the density. So we can control how dense those pellets are, how hard they are, and we want them to be fairly crunchy because we want them to promote gum health. The more a dog crunches and abrades things, the more their, their gums and their teeth get cleaned. So having a a smaller pellet that's denser as opposed to a bigger airy pellet, like a cocoa puff, um, those don't give them much abrasion or, or promote much dental health. So we, this, this is a smaller than normal shape but we find that it's actually great for the absorption and it's great for the density and the, and the tooth care. So we keep it kind of small. However, the, we have had some people that like to train and palm, like their treats uh, when they're training their dogs and use them as their rewards that they're feeding all day. Mm -hmm. Um, And some bigger dogs don't do good again with our really, really small kibbles. Um, So they'll just get them in their system and then puke them up because they haven't digested them at all with, they've been drinking water with them. So we are making a formula, our new formula that we think will be chicken free. We're also going to play with a, a bigger sized pellet um, to offer a large format kibble option. We're growing now, where we where we have enough capacity and interest to like try to, to answer some of these demands. Two years ago, we we wouldn't had we wouldn't have been able to. We were still growing to where we are now. Now we're saying, okay, what are people wanting? And chicken free and a slightly bigger kibble are the two biggest things functionality wise from the food that we've heard people ask for. So we're looking into that bigger kind of training sized reward kibble. But yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it's, it's all balancing act, right? Like yeah. all balancing act. And people who make way more money than me and deserve every penny of it, make <laughs> this decision. So, you know, yeah. I'm sorry if I don't have all, all of the, the technical hey, no, no, terms no. for it, it, but. No, yeah. but
2: it's awesome, buddy. I, I appreciate it. I love it. I, I love, I love the fact that, you know, you're in, you're based out of Fredericton, New Brunswick. If you look right here, um, so this is another uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick business that that supports us, and we support them. Educated beards, um, ex-military. Oh yeah, the beard oil guys. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then and then you know, um, Maddie Wilson with uh, Maritime Dog. You know, again yeah. another East Coast thing. And and I just I love I love how the East Coast is is really. And and I and again I don't want to come across as brash or, or putting anything down, but for a long time the East Coast wasn't. Um, you wouldn't think the East Coast as a as a manufacturer or a big supplier of anything, right? It was always you know Ontario and West and, and you know Quebec West sort of sort of deal. So when you totally. get the Maritimes in now, it, it's obviously you know a, a little gs at my string hurts and, and we're
3: still that. 10 years behind everywhere else in the country here you know like yeah. if there's
2: a trend or a technology
3: or something it'll get to New Brunswick last you know <laughs> we're, we're still a place that you drive through to get to a lot of other places but that is changing more and more each day for sure mm-hmm. and and we're actually one of the bigger manufacturers on the east Coast in, in this category we're the only player um, yeah in Atlantic Canada that's making things on the scale that we're doing it some people might be baking treats and stuff like that in their kitchen and sell them at the market and all the power to them. But on, on this scale, we're a little unique in that way. I hope we don't remain unique because New Brunswick's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm a, I, I live on a river called the Nashwalk river. I can go five minutes out my door, pull a small bath bass out on the rod. I got mountain bike trails. Like it's, it's really awesome out here. So the fact that we're able to do, it sucks having to ship things so far. I will admit that it would be nice for the, for the dollar to be a little stronger because we are shipping all over the continent now. And it'd be nice to be a little bit more central, but you know, you you get a warehouse and you solve that problem when you're lucky enough to be big enough to have that problem. Right. So the, the Maritimes treats us really well. And again, the proximity to that herring and that Bay of Yeah, there's a few kind of serendipitous things at play here. Like the story, I don't know if I, I don't think I told this, but the, the only reason we started making a Nookshuk was because Lee, the guy who started the company, he knew that there was this guy who was coming in and he was buying a ton of fish food at a time. Um, and new Brunswick is small and it's landlocked. And Lee was like, well, not landlocked, but where we were, and we knew this guy lived inland. So Lee says, you're buying a thousand pounds of uh, fish food from me today. And the guy's like, yep. And Lee's like, I've looked around. I'm pretty confident you don't own any fish. And the guy goes, yeah, that's absolutely correct. I don't own fish. And so, you know, the obvious next question was what the hell are you doing with this, this fish food? And he's like, I'm a musher and I feed my dogs a lot of meat. But when I'm doing these long trips, when I go up in the Arctic, I I need something that's got way more protein and way more fat in it. Dog food doesn't come with this level that I need, but I found this fish food does. And I mix it with this, that, and the other thing. And my dogs do really, really well on it. And Lee just said, well, we can make you something better. Like that's for a dog. Like the light bulb kind of went off. And because of that extruder that was set up to suck all that fat into those little fish pellets that positioned us in the market to make a really cool dog food. So, you know, we, we started making it for this guy and it was just one gentleman in Northern New Brunswick who went around in his truck and sold musher's choice dog food out of the back of his truck. We would do him up a run and he'd come and he'd fill it up and he'd go. And that's where it started from there, but all because it was the type of place. It's a spit in a handshake kind of province still where this guy walked in and my boss said, what the hell are you doing? With yeah. my product, I am very curious, and I'm glad that conversation happened because now
2: I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. that and and that's what it takes to make the world go round, right? No, that's that's a really cool story, actually. That yeah, it's pretty neat. It is. Um, just. To, yeah, go for it. Just
0: to go off on another tangent. You said <laughs> you're, uh, you guys are making a lot of fish food. I'm guessing it was all for the aquaculture industry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Because so that, sure. that requires a lot of food because they're, they're feeding hundreds of thousands of fish yeah, in in, in just one farm, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing you were probably sending a lot of that down to the south coast of Newfoundland.
3: Yeah, I bet. I bet, actually. especially Anywhere that they need a fish, we need to feed it as quickly as possible to get it as big as possible. And I need this order right now. When can you get it for me? And the reason that we our, – our initial success was based off the fish industry because we had everything right there where we can go, okay – we can do up that order, get it cooked for you. You'll have it in a week. Someone in Newfoundland going anywhere else, it's going to take them months to just uh-huh. get what they need delivered, right? Because there's not many people around. So the fishing industry out here is what propped up the initial success. That whole industry has changed though. And we, Corey, if, if Lee didn't pivot and start focusing on making high-end pet food, we would be out of business probably if we had only remained on the commercial fishing business. Cause I don't understand the ins and outs of it, but basically it got turned upside down on its head overnight where all these different supply contracts and things like that came up into question. And what was once a vital, vital way for them to have big orders consistently, if not predictably just evaporated, but we were luckily already well on our way to making dog food. So now actually we're, we're not phasing fish out because there's still enough people that want it. And we're still really, really good at making it, but five years from now, we'd like to be making even less of it. And then yeah. another five years from then, we like to just be done with it because it, the industry is not as reliable as the pet industry is, um, and just, it's not as fun to be honest with you. It's a lot less engagement. It's a lot less marketing. It's a lot less clients. It's commercial, big. Here you go. We'll see you again in six months, kind of thing. And it uh, yeah, it doesn't help
0: either when the federal government is anti-industry, and they no. are they are yeah. actively kind of pursuing the. The, the removal of agriculture right
3: yeah no and that's the thing the, the industry because of those kind of situations and the political polls of it just became completely unreliable mm-hmm. um yeah
2: you've touched on it a, a little bit about it being you know you talk about uh, mr Corey and and you know starting out and and, and the whole bit and it is a, a family run it is still at its core a family run business still operating at a Fredericton, New Brunswick. You know that must bring uh, a, a really cool dynamic in, into the workplace. To know that it is, it's not this big, multi-million-dollar corporation. Not that, not the you know downplay, uh, Corey Industries and stuff like this. But, um, but it is still a, a family-run business in a small area within Canada, and it must bring a, a really cool dynamic that you all know one another, you all work together. Um, you've, you've brought it up how that that customer interaction is such a big part of, of the yeah. company, you know. So, so how, are, how are you guys, you know, j- going to continue to build upon it? Because it's, it's obviously something that's working well for you.
3: Yeah. Well, thanks, man. That's Those are all really sweet things. And I, I, I like hearing them. So I thank you for saying them. Um, it is a cool company to go to work for. You know, but the graphic designer is Dave Corey, the boss's son. And that's who I work with every day. Uh, Emily is the CEO in line who we were hoping to have on the show tonight. You know, she's already taken the reins from dad. Jack Corey, their other son works in the lab. Uh, it is cool. It is, it is cool going to work. And it is really nice. Like, again, we love being small. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the biggest Number that we can keep all these things, keep the character in the workplace, uh, keep the attention to customer service, keep the quality up. How big, you know? So there's two ways to do business, right? You can do it the Bezos way, where you say I'll sell the, sell you anything you want, and I'll sell you as many of them, and there is no ceiling. I want, yeah. I want it all. Good for Bezos. Congratulations. Seems like you did a good job with it. There, the other way of doing it is like, okay, we got 50 people here who all bust their ass every week. What's the number that we can sell where everyone goes home with a good paycheck, wants to come back to work tomorrow, uh, they're not carrying an extra amount of stress, and we're not stretching ourselves where we lose focus of the customer, the interaction, and the quality, right? And we know what that number is, and we're, we're growing towards that number, and when we hit that number, we'll reevaluate and see what the new world looks like, but we want to have sustainable growth It's hard. We we have to hire more people, and you got to train them up. And it's like you know, I say you put people through dog through university in the course of a one month. You know, and when you're talking to people like yourselves who have a lot on the line, they have a lot of dogs, their livelihood, their hobbies, their businesses are wrapped into the performance of these dogs and what we do with them. There's you you can't hide. You can't sell them shit or the wrong thing, and you can't be full of shit either. So you got to know a lot, and you got to learn how to interact with them pretty quickly. So people do need to want to show up at work when they show up and and be ready to have these kind of conversations. But again, because of the culture, because of the climate, because of the way that they operate, and they know what a reasonable goal is. And, you know, there is a ceiling that we should work towards operating on that level is I think going to give us sustainable growth. It's going to keep everyone happy. It's going to keep the turnover down. And, you know, like things happen, like our ingredients right now are all going up in price. There's things we can do, right. We can, up the price of the product or we can dilute the product and you know everyone who's going to be affected by this decision the people who have to sell it the people who have to market it have to make it have to sign the checks they're all in the same room having that conversation it's not something that's just trickling down mm-hmm. people can actually put their input in so it gives us a broader understanding of kind of like you know what people's opinions of this might be outward looking in so it's it's great and yeah. and I don't know how they've done it for so long. Cause I know like I've had a lot of jobs and people are always the hardest part of it all. Right. And when you got 50 or 60 people working for you and you have a product with a big reputation that you need to uphold, there's a lot that goes into that, but they, they do it well. It, it's, it's cool. It's really nice having a product that I don't have to like hide behind. I can put the food in the bowl, let the food do the talking, back you up with whatever information you want. And at the end of the day, I know that we've done everything we can to sway you. We've presented you with good options. We think some of the best options. And if people don't like that, we can just slide over and have the conversation over here again. It's nice not to have to sell something that maybe you don't feel that good about, you know, Um, that's, that's been the biggest treat for me.
2: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, buddy, we're, we're about that 60 minute mark. And and those 60 minutes certainly, certainly flew by. Um, So I'd like to be able to give you, because I know we've, We've asked you questions and 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 stuff, and I want to be able to give you the opportunity. If there's anything that you want to say about Anokshuk food, anything a plug, anything that you that you really want to get out, use our form uh, to get that out. I'd like to be able to give you that opportunity now.
3: Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I can't believe an hour has gone by already. Yeah. Um, considering I did this for eight hours at work today already you figure that this one would drag by a little bit, but didn't. It flew by. Um, no, I mean, if people are curious, if, if people, so here's the, here's the biggest thing. A lot of people have a lot of dogs, and we know that feeding a different line of food is a pain in the ass, and switching an entire kennel or team over is a pain in the ass. It's not something anybody wants to do, but if you're not 100% convinced that you've got the best product out there, that you're unlocking the best potential in those dogs, and you're curious about this product, reach out anookshookpro.com, 1-800-561-0072. A human is picking up that phone. A human's going to answer your questions. Uh, if they don't have the answers, I'll go ask someone who does. <laughs>
2: awesome.
3: um, you know, so just if you're curious and they want to know about it, we've got ways to try it. We just encourage people to reach out, do a little bit of reading, uh, you know, hop on our website, compare it to other websites. You know, it's, it's always good to know what you're getting into. If you're making a decision about your dog's health, it's good to know why there's a grain-free conversation. It's good to know why people think corn is a bad ingredient. We talked about it earlier because it's, it's a bad ingredient if it's a protein, but it's a great energy source as a fat, you know. So get curious, and then once you've got a a list of questions, get at us because we're, we're eager to help and we're eager to answer them. And we can get a ship delivered to any address in the continent. So Mexico, United States, Canada, we're – we're there. We can get you. We know you might not have heard about us yet because we are much smaller, and there's some really big players in this game. Mm-hmm. But we're not. We're not scared of putting our product up to their product, and we're not. Uh, we're not scared to
2: to ask people to give us a try because we're really proud of what we got in the bowl. No, that's awesome. Great stuff. Um, as as usual, uh, we'll do a quick uh, round the table uh, for any final questions, Mark. Well, it's
0: good meeting you. Uh, great conversation. I mean. Uh, you got had a, a a lot of info there to digest, but it was all good info and, and stuff that's uh, pertinent to a lot of dog owners in the waterfowl world. So uh, I gotta say it's good well, having thanks. you. Out. I, I appreciate the engagement. Questions, but <laughs>
3: uh, no, you, you have answer. them, and that's that's good. Those Answering things. questions is way better than finding another thing to say, right? So I I appreciate the back and forth for sure. It's great meeting you,
1: Ryan. Uh, Mark, they have cat food. Did you not hear that? <laughs> like, you be, yeah, but. This show is about waterfowl dogs, so
0: <laughs> I wasn't gonna get into that. <laughs> okay, offline contact. We can talk cat
3: food next time.
1: Yeah, be, we'll have Brian on again and talk cat food. Yes, yeah, thanks, okay. man. Thanks, thanks yeah. for coming on, Brian, and uh, reaching out. And it's been great to, to swap some uh, dialect yeah This this is a pretty significant topic for a lot of uh, waterfowlers because you know uh, Labrador and, uh, and a waterfowler tend to go hand in hand. Um, yeah. um and uh next time i'm in freddie i got lots of ta- lots of family in town so next time i'm yeah. up there i'll definitely pop in the shop and say hi
3: man yeah likewise i'll uh, i go to nova scotia many times a year my wife's from there and we're we're really eager to get across that border soon uh so excellent meeting you. your garage is putting my garage to shame by the way Too, uh, like well, 10 garage points for you tonight
4: <laughs> sir well done
2: <laughs> <laughs> dave
4: yeah thanks for coming on and uh talking most times i'll sit here and and be more engaged. But this time I found myself head down, just listening to everything you were saying, because this is a very informative informative talk. So really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on.
3: Well, thank you. I really appreciate it guys. That was great. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to talk, you have any follow-up questions or anyone reaches out uh, you guys know how to get a hold of me. We're here. And uh, anyone who needs a trial bag or needs to get a sample present company and and listening audience included, don't be, uh, don't be scared to ask. We typically say yes.
2: Awesome. Uh, and for everybody that's listening um on this social media, we'll we'll tag a um and everything. So if you have any questions and and you wanna reach out and and uh Ben Bryan's ear, uh we'll have all that information in on on the post here. So um feel free to share my
3: work email, Facebook, Instagram, we're there, we're easy. If you're awesome. not finding
2: us, you're not trying. Yeah awesome buddy i i appreciate this um it was it was really really good and you you answered some questions that that i had personally uh with regards to my own dog so uh, great um normally we would uh run it a little bit longer but i've got two montreal canadian fans here and i know they're just uh itching to get in front of the boob tube deer and uh <laughs> watched watch their team try and close out this series so um we'll cut her off right there. This was, no um, all. this was an excellent, excellent episode with a ton of information and, and anybody that's listening, um, I, I certainly hope that, uh, you're starting to question some of, some of the things that you're doing, uh, not, not saying that everybody is wrong, but you should start, uh, looking to the back of your dog food and, and asking those, those very same questions that, uh, that Brian's sort of answered for us, not sort of answered, but he 100% answered for us here tonight. So um, thank you once again, Inukshuk Dog Food, uh, East Coast, which you know we love. Um, Reach out, you never know, it could be exactly what you need. Brian, thanks again. Everybody, this is is the Union 0430. We are as advertised, Um, we're not experts We're not professionals. We're just a group of friends that love one another's company and talking anything to do with waterfowl hunting. This was episode 55. Thanks for watching. Until next week, big love.